Well, good morning, Breakfast with the Broker, every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Well, we're, we had to start early because you know why? We had a very special guest and we got so excited that we had to bring him on. Um, you are in for a real treat. Uh, let's do it without further ado. And now, by way of Nashville, Tennessee, he is the CEO of the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. He is the quintessential Englishman. He's the former drummer of Officer Dribble. He is the official real estate team for the Tennessee Titans, the Nashville Predators, and Top Golf Nashville, and the owner of the number one Remax team in the world three years running. You may see him on a billboard or with his Bernie Doodles, Reggie and Stanley. He's a brother, a son, a master troller. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Gary Ashton. Hello, this is Gary speaking. How are you doing? <laughs> so that was probably be the best introduction I've ever, ever had. And uh, I don't well, know, uh, probably well, just well, come down. That's, that was a little crazy. <laughs> So you're going to drum on this, you know, uh, you know, it's funny because you start looking at, um, you know, the people that come over and, you know, we've met uh, a few times over the years and, you know, I never knew that you were a master drummer. And uh... I, I actually have a drum right here. Just one second. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do live. This one. Yeah, look, just in case anybody doesn't. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> Gary, thank you very much for coming on. I really, really do appreciate it. You know, we have so many followers that are looking forward to this interview for a while now. And, you know, when we're talking about real estate and we're talking about, you know, marketing, um, tell us a little bit about a little of your background. I know, uh, you know, I know your background, but maybe you know everything you read on my whole <laughs> name of my dogs. The one thing you did get wrong, the name of the band was Officer Dibble. Did I say, oh, I'm sorry. I said dribble. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so Officer Dibble was the um, from the cartoon Top Cat, the undisputable leader of the gang. And then the policeman that was in it was called Officer Dibble. He was the one that would always keep Top Cat and his crew in line. So that's that's how the name of the band came. And when we then when we got signed to a management company, we weren't allowed to use that because we knew we were going to get into <laughs> Copyright problems and all that good stuff. So, right. yeah, Officer Dibble. So, it was a good segue into real estate because you've been drumming ever since, right? Yeah. <laughs> you've been banging on the drums ever since. <laughs> yeah. So, so my background, um, you know, when I went to college, this is back in England, back in the dark ages before computers and things. But I was always interested in advertising and marketing. That's, that's kind of what I liked. Um, so that was what I did. I did um, marketing and business studies with marketing. I think was the was the course. So that was that's that's what got me into um, being able to then go work for a, an actual advertising agency in England. So when I was working at the advertising agency, I had you know lots of really interesting accounts like car dealers and um, home builders. Funnily enough, so those are the guys that they weren't the big sexy, glamorous uh, campaigns. It was just really functional stuff, but it enabled to get people through the door. So you're trying to, you know, work out what was the the motivations for people to come to the site. So there's always a lot of offers and things like that. And then, then the band started taking off, So and I did the band for a while. And then the band 
kind of broke up, disbanded. And that's when I moved to America because we'd sold, me and my dad had these, what you would call mom and pop motels. Uh, they were in the city of Leeds. And uh, we wanted to move to a nicer area because the, the where they were in Leeds was not a good area. Um, it was a great business, great clientele because we had a lot of guys that were working on the, on the, all the new construction, all the building sites. So they were awesome clients, but you know, that there was a, a time when those guys, those contracts were going to be done. So I said, let's move to more of a touristy environment. So we started looking in England for like close to us, the Yorkshire Dales and things like that. And then I ended up seeing an ad for, so this is back in 1990. Don't forget. I saw an ad in the back of the national newspaper just talking about properties, um, businesses for sale in Florida. And I'd just been to Florida for the first time in 1989 on vacation with the family. So we went to um, Orlando and uh, Hollywood, Hollywood, Florida. And uh, so loved it, loved America, thought it was fantastic. So in the end, we ended up, short, long story short, we sold the hotels, and then at the time, it was $2 to the pound, so everything we were looking at in America was half price, and then we ended up buying a place in Clearwater Beach. So did that for 10 years. And then if you really want to know, so then, so then we then I was still using the advertising kind of knowledge I had of how to advertise to get people to come to our hotel, motel, so we would advertise in the back of the paper there, get some massive exposure because um, in England, England's essentially the size of Florida, but so you have national newspapers that cover everything. So I knew how to get ads in there. And then, um, so we did really well with that. Had lots of Brits coming over, lots of Brit advertising in the back of the British Airways magazine. So we had all these people coming over and it was great. And then the internet, started what maybe the mid 90s 95 96 so um we were one of the first people to actually have a website for the hotel and so prior to that we had one of those trifold brochures that everybody has you know, the, mm -hmm. so we just essentially took everything from there and then put that onto a website so that was cool so now i could in the newspaper and people didn't really all have web um, access to the to um, like home computers back in the 90s. I mean, they were starting, but it wasn't everybody. Not like today where you can do it on your phone. But we would uh, – it used to go to a, a website. The URL was Bay Breeze, the Bay, Bay Breeze Motel. The URL was Bay Breeze 1. Anyway, so – and uh, so then I realized – that website was just the trifold brochure. But then um, I realized that this website that we had, whoever was hosting it, allowed us to create additional pages and then allowed us to me to copy the, the HTML code and start building additional pages. And then I figured out how I wanted the user now it's called like the user interface to how the flow of, of people's navigation around the site, which is um, I was trying to make it as user friendly as possible. And um, that's how I kind of got into doing the website stuff, which then became valuable when I moved from 
Clearwater to Nashville because, and I always tell people that I, you know, I always say I'm a, I'm a pretty good drummer. And I thought it was really good until I got to Nashville. Then I realized I'm completely average because there's so many people here are so, so talented, right? So, and, so I had to do the 1031 exchange from the sale of the, of the motel. So that's what opened that door for real estate. But then I didn't realize that, like, like I said, I thought I was going to do a, I, I thought I was going to be a touring musician, big session guy. And then realized how, how bad I was compared to everybody else. But aren't, aren't you that now? You're, you're doing the same thing. You're just doing it in real estate. Because, you know, when you got into real estate in, in Nashville, yeah. um, you kind of, um, a mutual friend, uh, you know, um, Morgan Carey, um, yeah. you know, you, you started hosting your website with our uh, real estate webmasters. And, yeah. um, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, I mean, he's the best in the business. I mean, there's, there's no other better um, real estate website developer than Morgan. Um, so, yeah, we, so my, my first thing was actually, I, I, thinking back, I had a, oh, I can't remember the call now. It was another website that was, I had Craig Proctor's site for a while, then I had a, another site. And then um, I realized I wanted, I wanted more control. So to be able to build something, because back then Morgan was just doing purely custom sites. So then we created a, a custom site. So I was one of the first people to actually fly up to Nanaimo. I think there was a couple of other people before me, but um, I had no, I couldn't remember how to say Nanaimo. I didn't even know where <laughs> it was. You know, it's one of those names that after a while you can say it, Nanaimo. Um, but so, yeah, I uh, was one of the first ones to fly up there and met with Morgan, sat down with the developers. It was awesome. Like those guys are, you know, working code. You can see them typing and it's just a line of like uh, literally just code and they see it so differently. And then they go hit enter and then doot, on the other screen, everything they've just done appears that you asked and say, hey, could we move this to here, this to here, maybe have that link right there. And they would go and then and then there it was done. Yeah, so um, spent, I think I probably now Morgan's oldest uh, long-standing customer. So because that was in 2003 or four when I first went to. Um, that was so it was um, I, I also had a REW site um, around 2003, 2004 um, with um, and uh, you might know Cesar Parisi as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he uh, he also did one and we used to collaborate all the time. And you know what? You know what I found out is very quickly, like so you took your REW site and um, not only did you build the site, but you built your team. You built the people to convert the leads. Right. Um, what yeah. happened to me, what happened to me is that I built the site and I would get leads, but I didn't have the systems and processes to convert those leads. So it never, you well, know, it took off, but it didn't take yeah. off to a, a bigger extent. I didn't have the systems and processes either. It just, I could, because when I, when I got the site and then I ended up getting, cause I initially started off doing pay-per-click way back when because this website called google came out <laughs> prior to that i was using whatever i can't remember now whatever the site was before that everybody would use and um then google google came out so that was cool 
And then I would see these things at the top, you know, the pay-per-click ads. And I was like, how do I get to that? And I figured out how I would, so I got to be number one. And it was a penny a click. You know, there was no real competition. And then, um, so I was getting maybe one or two leads a day and for a penny. I mean, I think my budget was like $10 a day or something like that. So, and that kept me more than busy. Um, and then... Uh, I started spending more, then I was getting more leads. But then the full progress was that I ended up then meeting the guys that own Nashville.com. So back back in the day, Nashville.com used to rank for absolutely everything. It was just a geo domain. Google hadn't got into its algorithms yet. And so the owners of of Nashville.com were trying to reach the owners of Remax and they like they wanted to go to the top because they had this valuable lead generation tool, but they could never get to the, like you could call and say, Hey, can I speak to Dave Lineker, please? And (laughs) there's no way you're going to get through to it. Right. So then they started talking to the local agents and, and brokerages and couldn't get through to anybody there. I think, I think they ended up, getting through to one brokerage and it went to the relocation department. So that kind of made sense. So the, these leads that were coming in were going to the relocation department, but they were sitting on them and then handing them out to agents maybe four or five days later, which as we all know, that's, you know, it's a dead lead by then. So, so then they looked and saw who was number one in pay-per-click and I would bounce up and down, but I would always try and stay at number one. And, uh, yeah, they contacted me and said, hey, we're going to – I think it was $2,000 a month for this site. And I was like, whoa, that's – this is back in 19 – I don't know, 94? No, 2004, sorry. 2004, and I was like, $2,000 a month. Whoa, that was ridiculously expensive. And so I was a bit concerned about that. And they said, look, we'll give you – um, free leads for a week just to prove our concept. So they did. And so I always say it was like with the leads I was getting, it was like a coming like drips from a faucet, the tap, like just dripping. And then when they switched on the leads, it was just like they turned it on. And, and then that's when it became so many leads, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do with them. So at that point, then I, I just said, Anybody in the brokerage says, hey, do you want to lead? Just give me a referral, you know, and I was throwing them all out. And that's when you realize that if I throw you a lead, then then I got no way of knowing or tracking. Um, I had no control to be able to – there's no accountability, I guess, is that I could just give you. And then a week later I say, where happened to that Mr. and Mrs. Smith from New York that were coming down? Uh, yeah, yeah, I never got hold of them. So there was no motivation because that agent probably then had their own business and then just kind of forgot about it. So that's how the the team developed because um, needed to to track, start tracking. Well, that was the idea to start tracking what I was doing. So that just there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any CRM essentially. Like, REW kind of had one, but it wasn't great. I don't think I don't think they even had one back when I started. 
No, I mean, they, they were – I mean, I wouldn't say late to the game, but, you know, the people were harping on um, them to get a CRM, to get a CRM and whatnot. And then yeah. finally they um, incorporated a CRM. Yeah, they didn't even have a spiderable IDX back on this. They just no. created really nice-looking sites that that right well. But the one thing that they did do was integrate the, you know, the multiple listings or, you know, the yeah. listings inside it. See, because back then, most of the companies were doing like IDX broker and they were doing framing sites. That's and why so, I, I, I framed in for a yeah. long time because they had a, whoever I used had a really, I can't remember the name, but it was out of Minneapolis, I think. And uh, it was cool because they had the actual mapping feature and you could zoom in, zoom out. And um, so I liked all that. I kept saying to Morgan, we need this, we need this. And then he ended up creating the Spiderable IDX and doing everything that. Uh, I remember they, you know, between that and I don't know if you were on Active Rain, but between that and Active Rain um, really propelled my business during that, uh, you know, during that 03, 04 to yep. about 2008, 2009. Yep. So yeah. good stuff. What? So um, you did get into your team. You know, what was your first hire? Was it a buyer's agent? Was it an assistant? You know, because a lot of people are talking about teams and they're talking about. You know, you said you need control and accountability in a team. You know, who was your first hire? First hire was a lady that was helping me distribute the leads. <laughs> so back then, we were using MSN Messenger, which. That was my communication tool. So now that was like, so now we use Slack, but back then it was MSN Messenger. And I just had a lady that I'd met. Um, she had, uh, how did I meet her? Her husband was something to do with tech and we we kind of got on and he said, oh, my wife is working from, she had a baby. And so it was perfect for her. She could work remotely, which we all know now, uh, that's, lots of people do. So we would just work on MSN Messenger. So she would see the leads coming in. I would have the two or three agents on MSN Messenger who was available and then assign the leads that way. And um, yeah, so my, I quickly went from a couple of agents, moved to Remax in 2004. And I met with the owner of the brokerage and I kind of said, hey, I, I need more agents. So is there anybody in the brokerage that needs leads or opportunities as we call them now. And so um, he put me with a, in touch with a few agents and that's how the team started. And then I negotiated a better split for those agents and things like that. And um, so they joined my team, but they were actually on my team. So there was a closed environment. So they actually were on my team and then, um, yeah, that was in 2004 when I switched to Remax, I believe. So what advice would you give to someone who is an agent that's uh, successful, an individual agent? Maybe they have a buyer's agent or two, um, yeah. but they're really wanting to go to the next level. They're really wanting to, you know, really, really propel their um, their business and level up. You know, what, what advice, maybe even further question would be, you know, what you know, did you not know back then when you started uh, that you wish you knew? So the one thing I, I, I didn't know is that um, 
I, you can't overload people, which is what I would do. We had so many leads coming in. Oh, welcome to Stanley. Just popping in. Oh, head. that's awesome. Um, the, what I would do is not fully appreciate that all I was doing was we were giving agent leads and then we give them another one and then we give another one and then another one. So my analogy is, um, if you remember back in the day, the cabaret shows, they would have a, a guy with a pole and a plate and they would spin the plates. I don't know if you remember those. Is that visual helping you? No. All right. I'm <laughs> that, that must be an English thing. <laughs> no, they're, they're, no, they would just spin the plates. Anyway, I'll move on to another. Sorry. All right. So this will, this will, you'll, you'll get this one. So I would equate the number of leads coming into like a tennis ball machine. You know, when you practice tennis balls, the, they have that machine that keeps shooting out yep. tennis balls. So if you, if you look at each one of those tennis balls as a lead, every time a lead came in, it's like the tennis ball machine was just shooting tennis balls. So I could always catch the tennis ball because they were easy to catch. And then you would put it in your arm. Hang on, let me put that down there. So tennis ball comes in and you catch it and you put it here. That's a good lead. Oh, I'll look at that in a minute. Oh, another one. Let me put it here. Oh, another one. Put it here. After... After you've got like 10 or 12, you can still catch every lead because these are all good leads coming in. You still put them here. But when you've got like 15, 20, they start falling through. So those good leads are sitting on the floor. They've been abandoned, as it were. But I'm still catching the, all the leads. So my focus was always on the shiny new object. There's the leads, the leads, the leads. I'm, and I'm great. And then I'm, then I'm passing them out. And that's when um, my problem was, is that I would give, you know, David, do you want another lead? Oh, yeah, I'll take another lead. David, do you want another lead? Oh, yeah, I'll take another lead. David, do you want another lead? Yeah, I'll take another lead. I mean, I'm just overloading it. And the human nature is to take as much as possible, I believe, until you really get educate yourself and then realize – there's an element of less is more. All these, all these kind of like sayings and platitudes actually have have a, a basis in reality. In that, so I now realize that I was given too many agents, too many leads, and Justin Haver, and uh, you know, we talked about this on uh, when we met in Miami for the first time, uh, and we were talking about this. I think it was like. And it was an REW conference, and I think it was eight years ago, something like that. And then Justin was the same. He had um, all these leads coming in. Well, I think I'd figured out that if you get 100 leads, I always forget now because Justin's smarter than me, but you, you need like triple the agents because for all of those leads coming in, a third of the leads are – what did I say? A third of the agents are going to be working leads, so they can't take more leads. A third of them are going to be, you know, on vacation or taking some downtime because they just spent a whole two weeks just slogging it out. And then a third of those leads are going to be bad. So oh, I forgot what it was now. It was it made complete sense at the time. But so um, 
if if I was really regretting or or the advice, I would make sure that people don't get overloaded with leads. Um, there's a there's a there's an element of you know you always want to take more, but like I said, less is more, and we've we've found that with in the last couple of years. So you know, work closely with Scott as our sales director, um, tech genius guru, and then he's all about you know we're giving them too many. Let's slow this down. Let's let's reduce their capacity. Because you, once you become overloaded, then then everything suffers because you can't work that lead that you got three days ago because now you focused on that other new lead and like I said, those you start dropping the ball. That's, that's yeah, no, I mean it, it, it makes sense. You know, a lot of times we do take on too much, and you know it's the same thing with goal setting. When you're when you're setting too many goals for yourself. You know, you're trying to achieve all of them. Um, you achieve none of them. You know, and and the stats are all there. You know, um, getting into you know team building and, and such. What um, you know, I you know you've done this you know for a while now. Um, yeah. You've put yourself in there. You know, well, it's not just me. There's a whole team. No, no, I know, I know. And, and I was getting to that because I was saying. You know, who has helped you along the way? Who are your partners? Because, you know, you're the face of the franchise, right? Um, you know, so who, who is your partners? Who's who's helped you uh, get to that point? And when did you add them along the way? Because, you know, you don't go from zero to 70 or 80 agents, you know, overnight. You go from, you know, you have steps, right? Things that, uh, you know, was it goal setting that helped you get there? And and who got you that to that um, point? So... The team just kept on growing because I I'm I like shiny objects and I like I really like chasing the new leads and good ways to get new leads. So by default, if you start getting more leads, then you need more agents to help you with those leads. So by osmosis kind of thing, the agents on the team would go, Oh, we got too many, and then they would then they would meet another agent in the field and say, wow, you're always busy. How are you showing so many homes? I'm on the, the Ashton team. Is he still hiring? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We need agents. So we'd get other agents join just because of the talking within the, I guess, the real estate community. And then, funny story, I met um, Deborah Beagle, who's my business partner now. But back then was a, an agent that I met at... Um, it's a long story, I'll tell you. So I had a car. It was in for service. I knew I was about to list um, the general manager of the Titans house. And this was in a subdivision called uh, Laurel Brook. Uh, a gated community, pretty high end. And I knew I was about to list that because he was essentially leaving the Titans. Um, and I thought, if I'm going to sell this house and definitely need to know what's going on in the in the subdivision and there was a, a broker open house one of those progressive things where you go to one house and then the next one and the next one so i said i need to do that so i got johnny lee who's my other business partner he dropped me off at the subdivision at the first house massive house sixteen thousand square foot house amazing house and so he dropped me off and i said i'll just i'll just hitch a ride with an agent to the next house which, you know, lots of people do that. So 
this first house I was walking through and then I bumped into this lady, super friendly, super nice. And we chatted and ha ha ha, this is an awesome house. And then keep on walking. And then I, two rooms later, I'd bump into her again. And I would, I'd kind of laugh and say, Oh, you stalking me. And just then literally maybe three or four times I kept bumping into her. So then left that house to go to the next one. So I was outside and then it was, you know, one of those things where they valet all the cars. So the, as I was walking out, Deborah was just getting into her car, being valeted. She was another, with another uh, lady. And so I said, hey, can I get a ride? And I think she thought, this is weird. This guy's, <laughs> you met him like three times, but he's a realtor. It's a realtor event. We're only going you know, 50 yards to the next house. So, okay. So I hopped in and then uh, we just started chatting more and more and became, you know, uh, very friendly and uh, just talking about real estate. I gave him my card because I said I'm about to, oh, I wasn't the official realtor of the Titans at that time, um, but I was about to be. And so I said, as I said, I'm about to list Mike Reinfeld's house um, and I'm getting the Titans account. And then I gave her a card. And then, then turns out that she knew who I was, I, I guess. This is back in 2011, I think. And so at that time, I think um, the brokerage I was in, they were talking about becoming the official realtor of the Predators. And I was talking about doing that with that owner because I thought that would be good. Then we'd have the Titans and the Predators in the same brokerage. And so I didn't do that. I let the, other, the broker owner become the official realtor of the Predators. But Deborah was a massive hockey fan. So I thought I was doing her a favor saying, hey, you should talk because now you should come join our brokerage and you can be involved in the hockey. I didn't realize she'd already had that conversation. So I thought I was being really smart and connecting <laughs> people. But... And so then, this is a long story, but then Deborah joined that brokerage, which is another Remax. But it was the year, when, so when she joined, it was the year of the, of the lockout. So Deborah was like a big-time producer that had come from Coldwell Banker. And then I would see her in her office, and the office was awesome and super, it was perfection, and there was, everything was nicely placed, completely opposite to my, the way I do things. And I would always say to her, hey, you should come and join my team because Deborah was working with all these builders. And I, you know, I was saying, you've got all the builders. Um, I have all the buyers because we were so buyer heavy. I said, that was a perfect marriage. You can work with us. And then Deborah, who's ridiculously smart, realized well, instead of me spending all this money on um, all these ads for these builders, Gary's already kind of doing that because of the presence that you have, he has with his SEO and the number of leads he's generating and all that stuff. So she joined the team. So just joined the team as an agent. wasn't, And uh, she was using the value of the well, – I call it the power of the team. Look at my dog. That's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and so then, uh, and then Deborah's just a natural leader, you know. Then she would, uh, 
when we have the team meetings, you know, I'm very, you know, a little awkward. I'm not a great speaker. And so the team meetings we'd have, and then Deborah would just kind of naturally get up and start talking about all the stuff that she's passionate about because she likes to train and um, impart her wisdom and knowledge to the agents and, so eventually she just took over and then I would never wouldn't say anything in the meetings and uh, I would take a back seat because she was doing it. You know, once you realize somebody's way better, smarter, more likable, the agent's really connected with Deborah and she's, like I said, she's extremely smart and knowledgeable. And that became a, another way that the team would expand because now you help them with retention people aren't leaving because Deborah eventually became the broker for our team. And so really it's, it's important when you think about it um, and, and giving that story, it's, it's important to think about the awareness of when you're having these conversations with all kinds of people and connecting, yeah. building relationships, you're not just building relationships with, buyers and sellers or people that need uh, have a real estate need um, or even just communities, but you're building, you know, through real estate, through collaboration, through real estate agents, brokers and, and vendors and such like that, and bringing it all in, into one team. I wanted to get into one quick thing and I know we're way over. Uh, um, yeah. oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I haven't even know. talked about my billboards yet. <laughs> well, well, we're going to get into the trolling thing, but because um, I, I, I think you are literally a master troller. I, I, uh, I watch uh, some of your Twitter stuff uh, is freaking great. But um, when you're talking about Zillow, right? So when you say Zillow to a real estate agent, you know, it either gives them anxiety or, you know, it gives them, you know, optimism. You know, whatever, whatever that might be. But in most cases, it's anxiety. It's, you know, and such. But yeah. you um, you kind of saw a, maybe a couple steps ahead and became that Zillow um, partnership, didn't you, in, in Nashville? So we're the broker partner for Zillow Office. Um, I mean, the one thing that as much money as I spend on advertising and marketing, um, Zillow's got a bigger budget. And Zillow is nationally known so if, you know you, i'm sure you have the same thing with your clients they go oh i saw this awesome house and here's the link and it's zillow link and you go well how i got my website why aren't you using that oh it's zillow i use zillow because it's the first thing that comes to mind a lot of the time so we have to battle with that so it's all about creating brand awareness so i do a lot of that we do that with our clients we do with people locally but Zillow still has, oh, I don't know, it's just a world brand. So yeah. it's hard to, hard to fight that. So um, when that opportunity came, in reality, is like, if I don't take it, somebody else is going to take it. And I feel like um, in, we have the same core principles because really what Zillow will tell you is they're always trying to make the customer experience the best possible. So sometimes... You know, I don't agree with everything that they do, but I mean, that that is their focus and that's our focus, which sounds like a cliche again, but that's, we're trying to create the best possible consumer experience with our agents. So that's, it's twofold that we're trying to 
make sure that our agents are educated and as knowledgeable as possible. And it's not purely about real estate. It's about all the, the peripheral services that are associated with real estate. That The whole, the real estate journey, the experience, we're trying to make that one as everybody says this, but it's true. You're trying to make it as stress-free as possible. You're trying to create so much added value that the knowledge that the agents have really um, helps with that client. And that's what Zillow is trying to do too. So we're aligned on, on a lot of things. And so, like I said, their, their branding, their awareness is, is, is pretty good. And so when that opportunity became available, um, I think we were the logical choice for them because just because of our size and um, we're already spending a lot on on the on the premier agent, so they knew who we were, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, like I said, for us it was a logical choice. And if I didn't do it, somebody else would have done it. You know, um, so I'll, I'll end it on, on like two questions. But um, you know, oh, yeah. how did someone get in uh, to market share? Because um, you know, you gradually. I mean, it's not overnight. How give like one tip on what you would first do if you went into a new market to try and gain some market share? So <laughs> that's extremely hard because, I mean, people keep saying to me, how come you don't go to Florida? How come you don't go to so-and-so? Can't you just replicate that model? And I, I honestly believe that it's, it's luck. I always say it's luck, vision, and money. So I think I had some vision. I think I had some luck and I had some money. So um, to go to another market, um, I don't know how we would uh, balance that out. So I have some vision, obviously, of, of uh, knowing what I've done now. But a lot of the th things were luck in that I started the team. I got my license in 2001. And I think that was the same year or a year later when the IDX became available. Because I remember going to my managing broker at the time saying, so I can get a website. I can put every other agent's listings on there. And I don't have to put their phone number or their brokerage. That was what it was back then. And that was, that was legal. And I just thought, well, that's amazing because I'm a brand new agent. I don't have any listings, but all of a sudden now I can have a website with everybody else's listings on. Um, amazing. So I, I took advantage of that. So that was the luck that I was around at that time to be able to do that. Um, I had some money because we'd sold the hotels back in Florida. So I had some money to invest. And then, you know, I had, had the vision um, to see that that was the way that thing, I that was going like the internet. When I first started, there was still the the, the magazines where you you would look through and and see all the realtors advertising homes. Um, so I used to do that, but then you know I, I would my focus was on on the internet, and I didn't really believe in the traditional forms of advertising back then. Now I realize. You know, we've got a it's it's 
as Gary V would say, it's that jab, jab, jab. You know, where, do, where does your right hook come from? So that's a combination of just having signs in the yards, having a strong SEO presence, having radio, having TV, and having billboards. So it's a combination of all those things, plus longevity. It's like you've been doing You can't just do it for a week. You've got to do it um, for a long time. So I have a really, really good friend of mine, and me, me, Chris and Justin, um, Chris Lendl, we've kind of come up in the ranks together, as it were. And so Chris is a perfect example of somebody who's developed a system branding and is now replicating that in other markets. So if you ever get a chance to talk to Chris, he would be, uh, I mean, the guy's obviously super inspirational. So a lot of the ideas that people credit to me, like putting the billboard in um, <laughs> in, Car- in Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. But Chris was the first one to do that. So that's awesome. Uh, Chris did that with the Vikings, and he put the billboard in in um, Philadelphia, and it was great because people go, "Well, what a waste of time putting the billboard over there." But what it did was obviously uh, create this awareness on the the local TV in Minneapolis, talking about what Chris was doing in Philadelphia. So that obviously that endeared him to the to the population in um, Minneapolis and then obviously having that TV exposure if you have a you know a story for 45 seconds a minute about I mean how what's that worth I mean it's the the source the credibility social proof kind of thing so anyway so if I was going to a different market what were the first thing I would do I guess I would just try and join the number one team locally and learn from them. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I, I did that when I was got my license. The first guy in that I worked with in the office was um, the, within that office, he was like the top agent. So I just, I had no business. So I went to him and said, Hey, can I, is there anything I can help you? Well, I'm trying to learn, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, uh, I got these people calling on the signs. I, I don't have time to to answer those calls. Here, you take back then. It was a pager. You take the pager, and when those calls come in, uh, you call. And so that's what I did. And then I, so I became his buyer's agent. And um, I thought, yeah, I mean, that's what we can do. Find somebody that has too much business, so that you actually have some business coming in, so you can start creating that foundation because to come in with nothing is always very, very hard. You know, being aligned with a um, a recognizable brand like, you know, Remax, find the number one agent in the market, and then just start building your awareness of you personally by doing such a good job. And I think that's what happens is, you know, if you do such a good job, people start to recognize that. And then you can build in the old school way, which is just by referrals because, you know what we do is uh, is is slightly different, but we're still trying to capitalize on the fact that if we do such a good job, those people are going to go. That was amazing. David was an awesome agent. He's on the Gary team, but they're going to start referring us back. So it's just creating that overall. Like I said, it's a bit of a platitude. It's a everybody says it, but you trying to create such a good experience that those people come back to you. And then by osmosis, other agents that work with you because you're knowledgeable. Um, 
you're professional and opportunities come from uh, things like that, I found. Gary, I I can't thank you enough. I know uh, we went way over uh, time that I told you I would, and uh, I I certainly appreciate it. But I always end the uh, discussion on two uh, very, very lighthearted questions. One is, um, what's your favorite streaming uh, uh, series of all time, and what are you currently watching? If you watch. No, I I don't watch the – I kind of became a, what do you call it, a, a cord cutter. Okay. Yeah. So, but my favorite was probably The Wire. Do you remember that? Sure. Yeah. HBO series, which is, which is an amazing show. And what was the second one? So, what what are you currently watching, if anything? So, I'm, I think I told you I'm a musician, really at heart, or a drummer. So, there's sometimes people don't put the two together, but (laughs) so, uh, you're a musician. Yeah. So, I like, uh, YouTube. YouTube has become like the channel of choice for me. So I there's there's two things I really like. There's a I really uh, back in August of 2020, I'd been looking online because I, I I have an RV, but it's one of those 40 foot long RVs. And I bought that a long time ago. And then the idea was to be able to drive around, go to state parks and work remotely in the state park. But then I realized 40 foot is too long. It's just, you know, you make a wrong turn. It's a disaster. And it's too big. So I use that for part of the uh, every Titans home game. We have a tailgate. If you go to GaryAshtonTailgate.com, you can see the video. Like there's a little drone video. Um, and we have the... I have the RV wrapped, and, and so now it's like a traveling billboard. So, so then when the, the pandemic and everything going on, it's like ah, I like the idea of just being able to go out, me, me and the dog. So I ended up looking at all these different RVs. So this is a perfect example of trying to figure out how you would buy something but never actually physically seen it, which was. I think a lot of people can relate to that now because they're buying homes sight unseen because they're they're utilizing technology. So I was looking on these sites and there was a a guy called, it kept coming up, this guy, and this guy, Matt's RVs. Matt's RVs. It's the only website that reviews uh, RVs independently. That's the way his catch line is. So it was Matt's, Matt's RV reviews. And so I kept watching his show and I ended up <laughs> ended up contacting him and I ended up buying an RV from him just because I liked his personality. If you watch, if you Google Matt's RVs, you'll find him. He's an awesome dude. He's in Ocala. And um, so I watched the RV reviews that he was doing. And so that became, and then that led into watching uh, shows about, uh, van life couples and single guys and girls that are just traveling around in their RVs. And so strangely enough, I'll watch those. But then my other show that I watch religiously is a guy called Rick Beato. So he's out of Atlanta. He's a, um, like a all around musician, producer, writer. And he does these awesome shows where he'll take I think the, one, the ones I really like are What Makes This Song Great. 
So he will kind of dissect it and he'll he'll bring bring down the the faders so you can so you can hear just the drum track or you can hear just the the guitar track and then you see how the guitar and drums work That's together cool. and then and he'll point out all these things that you really didn't know they were there but they're they're subliminal but they add to the whole um just the whole power of the song as it were so that's what i've been watching that's awesome a good analogy because i always say the the team is like um you know you're talking about the the important people it's like how how do we have such you know the number one remix team in the world well it's not obviously because of me it's because of everybody that's part of our band as it were so i feel like i'm the drummer i feel like we got scott over there playing bass i'm Scott and I work really well together. We got Deborah playing guitar, lead vocals. She's the um, so if you take it a, each individual piece away, it doesn't it doesn't gel, doesn't work as well. So you know the agents are all there working as well. So I heard I heard recently this quote, and and I think it attributes to you know your success and and, and such. It said, you know, the um, lifetime of an opportunity, you must be must be taken within that lifetime of that opportunity. And, you know, when you're looking at it, you know, there are many things that you've discussed over today that um, when we're, whether we're talking about IDX or SEO or being ready to, um, you know, I don't you know, I know you said luck, vision and money. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think you make your own luck. In, in many cases, and I think you got to be yeah, by the vision money that you have. That's how you make you look. <laughs> Agreed to. Um, you got to be aware of your surroundings. But Gary, um, listen, you know, w- w- you were really, really great, and I, I very much appreciate all your time. Um, I know you're very, very busy, and uh, you know, uh, congratulations on all your success, and it's certainly uh, warranted uh, with with your whole team success. And we certainly appreciate you being on Breakfast with the Broker. So, Breakfast with the Broker every Tuesday at nine a.m. Next week, we will have we'll go local. We go with the uh, the city of Lake Worth Beach's uh, mayor, and uh, we can't wait to have them on and uh, and talk about um, some local issues as well. So, Gary Ashton. Uh, listen, you, we we can find you all over the place. All you have to do is Google Gary Ashton. He comes up where you put in number one Remax world, agent in the world. Uh, he comes up. Team, team in the world. Uh, team. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, team. Team in the world. And it's Officer Dibble, not Dribble. Dibble, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, hey, I'll tell you one thing, though. So Canada is on our tails. I think right now, um, oh, Frank Leo, yeah. uh, I think he's – like in the year-to-year races, he's doing pretty well. I think he's actually number one right now. So we're having to fight to get, you know, our number one spot back. For but <laughs> for now we're number one until till the next results come out in. I think it's March of next year. It's, it's, it's harder to stay at number one than it is to get at number one, as as they say. Yeah. <laughs> Take yeah. care, Gary. Thanks so much. Right. Have a great week, and I appreciate you. All right. See you All soon. Right. Take care. Ciao.